Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. So I saw an article this week, and it was talking about how quickly communication has advanced just in one generation. I want you to think about this for a moment, because this is going to seem like the Stone Ages, but it really wasn't that long ago. One generation ago, how did we communicate? You had a telephone bolted to your wall with a cord that came out of it, and you could only walk so far with that receiver. Uh, You had uh, basically a phone book or multiple phone books, and you had to go through that phone book and look up people's numbers. And yes, it was common practice even to handwrite a note and fold it up put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and lick that envelope with your own tongue and close it up and put it in a mailbox. And one generation ago, that's how we communicated. Now, we've got, listen, we've got everything under the sun. We've got our phones and our hip pockets. We've got texting, FaceTime, Snapchat, Marco Polo, the works, right? Instagram messaging. I mean, there's so many different ways that people are communicating with one another today. But I want to tell you that there is another form of communication that is on a whole nother level. It is a bridge to another world. It is a doorway to another dimension, and it's called prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, for the next five Sundays in the month of January, uh, today we're kicking off a new teaching series uh, called 31 Days of Prayer. And in this teaching series, we're going to talk about a lot of different specific ways that prayer makes a difference, not just in our own lives, but in our world and in our church. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how to abide in God through prayer, uh, to experience God's power in us and through us. Then we're going to talk about how to find peace with God and peace in your own life through prayer. Anybody need peace? Today, I've I've talked to a lot of people saying, look, I'm so glad 2022 is in the rearview mirror. Amen? Right? We've we've been through a lot of challenges, and there's a lot of burdens. We need the peace of God. Uh, After that, we're going to have a time of of talking about how to seek God's guidance for your life and for your family, for your organization, through prayer. And then we're going to wrap it up with talking about how to pray for a breakthrough in your life. Uh, and, and in your family. Okay, so we've got a lot of great things coming up in this series, but that's not the only thing we're going to do in January. Uh, this morning, we launched our Sunday morning house of prayer at 8.30 to 9 o'clock in our refreshed prayer room. We had a great time this morning, and I will tell you, after 30 minutes of praying with God's people in the house of prayer, when I stepped out of there at 9 a.m. this morning, I felt, I'm serious, I felt ready to take on hell with a water pistol. I mean, I was just so fired up for the Lord. And that's what happens when you get together and you pray together with God's people. Uh, we're also launching, as you know, and you saw it out in our mall area this morning, our Who's Your One initiative, which will actually take us all the way to April 9th, which is uh, Easter Sunday. Who's Your One? We've shared it with you before. I put out a little video on social media yesterday about it. It's very simple. We're asking each and every person at Crossgate Church to prayerfully identify one person in your life, somebody in your sphere of influence, who doesn't know Jesus. And then we ask you to pray for them every single day between now and Easter. And asking God to give you an opportunity to invite them to church here at Crossgate, 
to share your personal salvation testimony of how you came to know Jesus and also to share the gospel and invite them to trust Jesus as well. And then, of course, two very tangible things associated with that. One is to get a prayer guide. If you haven't gotten one, get one out there from the table in the mall area. We have some more in our Next Steps room as well. And use that prayer guide throughout the month of January to pray by name each day for your one. And then the other thing we're asking you to do, as several folks have already done this morning, write the first name of that person on that banner out there. There's some Sharpie markers out there. The banner is on the wall. Only the first name. Don't write their last name. Don't write their address and all the other personal information you know about them. Just their first name. And begin to pray so that all of our church can know that we are collectively moving forward to reach those people. All right? Something else I'm going to encourage you to do is throughout the month of January, beginning next weekend, try this. Try fasting from noon on Saturday to noon on Sunday. Okay? Each Sunday for the month of January. Try that. Okay? I, I guarantee you, if you step into this campus on Sunday morning and you've been fasting for 24 hours, and we're talking about prayer, and we're providing opportunities for prayer and so forth, it, there will be power in your life that you had never realized. Now, I got it. You've got you to choose the type of fasting that's best for you spiritually and medically and physically. Uh, some of you could go a whole 24 hours without eating or drinking anything except water. Some of you might say, well, I'll just take a fast on Saturday evening. I won't eat dinner on Saturday evening. Or maybe you'll just do a, a liquid juice fast for the 24 hours, or whatever combination it is. If you've got questions about that, talk to myself, one of our pastors, or one of our elders, and we can help you to understand some ideas. But I will tell you this, fasting is the accelerant that makes prayer that much more effective and powerful in the lives of God's people. And then lastly, we're also, as many of you know, we are incorporating our life groups into our prayer partner network. Uh, prayer partner network is the group of folks that gathers with me here on the platform every Sunday before the message. Any given group that participates in that only does it about once every three months. Again, huge shout out to the Gift Life Group. The Gift's in the house, y'all. Hey, thank you, Gift Life Group, for, for leading the way. They, they were the first life group to jump into the Prayer Partner Network, and so I'm so grateful for the Gift Life Group that prayed with us this morning. But there's some very specific reasons why we're doing that. One is because I need you to pray for me and to pray with me. And so to gather once every three months as a life group and to pray around your pastor before he brings the word of God is critical. But what you'll find is that those concerted times of prayer that you spend with your life group and prayer partner network will increase the unity of your life group and will be an awesome discipling opportunity uh, for helping your people to learn more about how to pray and to seek God. All right, now today we're going to kick off this 31 days of prayer with a simple message entitled The Privilege of Prayer. We're just going to hit some of the basics Jeremiah 33, find it in your Old Testament there in your Bible or maybe a device of some kind. We'll put the verses up on the screen for you as well. Uh, this very brief passage, Jeremiah 33, 1 through 3, some people have called this God's telephone number. In fact, Jeremiah 33, 3 specifically, people have called that God's telephone number, and here's why. Let me read it for you. Jeremiah 33, verses 1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, here's verse 3, God's telephone number, call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Now, we're going to talk about this this morning, but I want to tell you something about this entire series we're going to do. And many of you can agree with me on this, okay? 
Many times when we hear a sermon or, or a Bible study or something about prayer, we typically walk away from that time saying, yeah, I probably need to pray more. But we don't have any practical tools for doing it. Right? It's long on principle, short on practice. So here's what we're going to do every Sunday throughout this series. Every sermon we do, every message during this month is only going to have two points. And those two points are going to be principles and practices. So whatever theme we're talking about for that Sunday, I'm going to give you some principles from the Scripture, and then we're going to talk about some very practical ways to work those principles out into your life. So I want everyone to be able to leave our gatherings in January with some very practical thoughts and, 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 and things to incorporate into your life so that you can enjoy prayer and, and, and it become a greater reality in your life, okay? So let's first of all, let's just talk about some principles directly from the Scripture, Jeremiah 33, the first of which is this, prayer connects us with the Lord, okay? Prayer connects us with the Lord. Obviously, we're talking about the Creator of heaven and earth. Look there in the Scripture. Verse 2, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. We're obviously talking about the guy from Genesis 1-1. That's a big deal, okay? But specifically, we're talking about the Lord. And I want you to notice in your Bible, look there in the Scripture, and, 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 and you remember the Scripture we shared with you on the screen just a minute ago. If you look at the word Lord, it's all capitalized, capital L capital O, capital R, capital D. And it, and it occurs four times in these verses, right? Verse 1, uh, verse 2, three times in verse 2. Now understand this. There's a lot of different names for God in the Bible, okay? But there's three that we find more often, by far and away, more often than any others, okay? God, Lord, capital L, little o-r-d, and then Lord, as we see it here, capital L-O-R-D. Right? And, and each one of those words is a translation of a different Hebrew word for God. So the word God is a translation of the Hebrew word Elohim. Many of you have heard that before. Okay? And then the word Lord with a capital L, little O-R-D, is a translation of the Hebrew word Adonai. Again, many of you have heard that word. But the word that we're seeing here in verses 1 through 3 four times Capital L-O-R-D is the translation of the word Yahweh. And the word Yahweh, the name Yahweh, is the most intimate name and word for God that we find in the entire Bible. This is the word, this is the name that God revealed of himself to Moses at the burning bush. This word speaks of, of relationship in covenant. This word speaks of love for God's people. In other words, when you see the, the capital L-O-R-D, as you see it in these, in these verses here, God's basically saying, I want a relationship with you. That's huge. Okay? Now, when, when God, the, the Lord, Yahweh, speaks to you, that's a pretty big deal. How are you going to respond? Right? See, see, prayer connects us with the Lord. So my dad used to pull a prank on me when I was a little boy, about as old as my little boy is now, six or seven years old at Christmas time. The phone would ring at my house, and he would say, hey, there's a phone call for you. It's Santa Claus. I was like, Santa Claus? I mean, at that point in time, listen, if my dad told me that Santa Claus was calling me on the phone, I believed it, okay? Santa Claus calling me? What am I going to say? Oh no, what, am I going to tell him what I want for Christmas? I mean, listen, I was, I was all thrown for a loop that Santa Claus is calling me on the phone. And then I'd pick up the phone and I'd say, 
hello? And it was my grandpa or somebody. I mean, my dad was just totally pranking me. But the fact is that when God calls out to you the Lord, Yahweh, that's a big deal. And by the way, you can trust him. You know, unfortunately, we live in a world today where you simply can't trust people many, many times. Isn't that true? I mean, trust is not something you just get. You've got to earn it. And there are so many dishonest people out there. For example, just this week, I posted something for sale on Facebook Marketplace. And literally within 10 minutes, here come the scammers. Literally sending me back a message. Is this item still available? Could you send me your personal information? Please send me the phone numbers of everybody in your family. And on and on and on. The scammers, they're out there. But when God, the Lord Yahweh, reaches out to you, that's legit. You can trust him. And prayer is the means by which we connect with God. Okay, So that's the first principle. Prayer connects us with the Lord. The second principle is this. God commands us to pray. Now look at verse 3. The first three words of verse 3, what does it say? Call to me. Now a lot of people say, man, that's a wonderful invitation to prayer. And, and in a sense, it is. But grammatically, those three words form what's called an imperative. You know what an imperative is? It's a command. It, it, it's a command, okay? It, it's not just an invitation. It, it is a command to pray. Uh, okay, case in point. Let's say you're at work, and your boss sends you an email or a text or verbally says, I need you to see you in my office at 3 p.m. Now, some of you might say, my boss just invited me to his office. Well, yeah, but what he really did was he kind of ordered you to come in, right? It wasn't like, you know, if, if you ain't got nothing going on at 3 o'clock and, um, and you can fit it into your schedule, I sure would appreciate you drop by my office. No, if he says, come see me, I'm off at 3 p.m., that's a command, right? That's, that's a command. Now, don't get this idea that, that this command in verse 3 means that, that our response to God in prayer is some heavy-handed, rigid kind of, oh, this burdensome, I got, I got to meet God in prayer, right? That's not what it means at all. There is a love here. There, there, there is a, a, a compassion here from the L-O-R-D. But I will tell you this. I'll tell you what it means that God commands us to pray. It means that, that our take it or leave it, if it's convenient for me attitude about prayer, that's not going to cut it with the Lord. That is not going to cut it with the Lord, and God expects us to meet him in prayer. I will tell you, as I was preparing this message this week, this is probably the, the biggest thing that struck me personally. Because in the last week or so, with things being so busy with Christmas and all the other things, I mean, no excuse, but I will tell you, I have not been as consistent in meeting with God as I should have been in the last week. Okay, so so this, this kind of caught me right between the eyes. We are commanded to meet with God, and for good reason. Who else can we go to besides the Lord at the end of the day? Right? So, so we're, we're, that's a principle. Here, here's another principle. Prayer is direct and personal. Okay, so when God says, call to me, he's not saying, please reach out to my secretary or please call my answering service. You, you ever been in connection or talking with a, a, an important person and they say, hey, here's my personal number, right? Here, 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 this is my personal cell phone. Listen, most of you will not give out your personal cell phone number to just anybody. Isn't that right? 
But when you give your personal number out to somebody, that's a big deal, okay? Because that means there's a direct line of connection and there's nobody in between. That's what God is doing here. He's saying, you're not going to have to talk to my secretary. You're not going to have to talk to my handler. You can talk to me personally. Now, this, this became even more real to me uh, last year. So last year, I, well, I say last year. You know, yesterday was last year. So I guess what I mean is 2021, okay? 2021, I went down to the Amazon with our Amazon missions team, had a great time. And one of the people I met on that trip was a retired doctor from Dallas. We had about five or six people from Dallas that went on the trip with us. Wonderful fellowship and ministry. And his name was Jim Davidson. He's probably been to the Amazon 30 or 40 times. Just loves going down there and ministering to the people. Well, getting in conversations with this brother, found out that he attends Chuck Swindoll's church down in Dallas. Chuck Swindoll, many of you know for 40 years now, has been just an amazing teacher of God's Word, broadcast on the radio, first from his church in Fullerton, California, and now his church in Dallas for the last 20 years. I would tell you, Chuck Swindoll, there's probably about four pastors, just in terms of their, their preaching and teaching, who have had a massive transformational uh, impact on my life. Chuck is one of those four, okay? I've never met him personally, but for 30 years, he's just poured into my life, okay? So I, I talked to Jim, find out that he knows Chuck Swindoll's secretary. I was like, Jim, let me ask you a question. If I wrote a letter, typed out a letter to Chuck Swindoll, and I gave it to you, could you give it to his secretary to ensure that he gets it? Because I just want to express to him how much I appreciate his ministry. And Jim said, absolutely, I can make that happen. Because, you know, if you just send it in the mail to, to whomever, I mean, it's going to end up on the mailroom floor. He's never even going to see it. But I was like... I know that Chuck's going to get this letter. Now look, yes, I wanted to thank Chuck for his ministry in my life, but I'll be honest, I was also hoping he would write me back, okay? I just, that, that was part, just truth in advertising, okay? So I give Jim the letter. I, I talk to Chuck about all that his teaching has meant to me. Even I highlighted specifically one time when I was in Iraq for 15 months, away from my family, and I was just absolutely at the, at the bottom of the barrel emotionally, and Chuck gave a message on the family and, and just encouragement, and I just, I, I cried like a baby. I mean, I just, and it was, it was such a blessing to me and an encouragement, okay? So I told him all of that in the letter, got him the letter. About a month later, check this out, about a month later, well, I walk upstairs, I check my little mail slot, and there's a letter from Chuck Swindoll's church. I was like, I got a letter from Chuck Swindoll, I can't believe it. And I mean, from the time that I went from my mail slot down to my office at the end of the hall, I was probably more excited than a little boy on Christmas morning. I was like, I can't wait to read this letter from Chuck Swindoll. So I opened it up. I was like, oh, this is going to be so awesome, man. I can't wait to read this. Dear Phil, on behalf of Pastor Chuck Swindoll, I would like to acknowledge and thank you for your letter. I was like, what? And then I looked down at the bottom, and it listed some lady's name who's like executive assistant to the whatever. I was like, how do you like that? <laughs> I mean, I pour myself out to this dude. And I hear from his secretary? Now, I got it. Chuck probably does more in a day than I do in a month, okay? The dude is incredibly busy. I don't, listen, I'm not down on Chuck Swindoll, okay? But I would tell you something. By the way, some other time, I will this is true, I will tell you the story of how I wrote a letter to Adrian Rogers, and I got one back from Adrian Rogers, and it's framed on my wall in my office right now. It's worth more than a million dollars to me, because I heard directly from the man. Okay? But in, in this case, it, it's a great illustration, isn't it? 
God does not send you a letter through his secretary. You can hear directly from the God of the ages. Right? Prayer. Why, why, why do we take it for granted? Why, why are we so casual and, 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 and just careless in praying? Whether, well, it's just if I can fit it into my schedule. Man, you, you are hearing directly. God has given you his personal number. That's huge. All right, here's another one. God answers prayer. Verse 3, call to me and I will answer you. God, you know, isn't that a profound thought? God answers prayer. Amen? That's a great place for an amen. God answers prayer. Of course, we have this myth in American culture that there is such thing as unanswered prayer. Isn't that right? Probably because years ago, the great American philosopher Garth Brooks wrote a song called Unanswered Prayer. You know the story. He sings about how he and his wife go back to his old high school, Friday night lights, high school football game, and he runs into his old girlfriend from like 20 years ago. And, and he relates to how when he was in high school, he prayed and prayed and prayed that this girlfriend would someday become his wife, and oh, Lord, please make it happen. And then 20 years later, he looks at his wife, he looks at his girlfriend, his old girlfriend, looks at his wife, looks at his old girlfriend, and said, thank God for unanswered prayers, baby. Have you ever been there? You, you, you probably look back now, tw- 20 or 30 years, and say, yeah, I'm kind of glad that didn't work out. Okay. Well, the truth is, I mean, in spite of the fact that Garth Brooks is, is a theologian, you know, par excellence, uh, there ain't no such thing as unanswered prayers. Did you know that? I mean, right here, the Bible says, call to me, I will answer you. Okay. Now, there's three categories of, of answered prayers, isn't that right? You know what they are? Yes, no, and wait. Of course, we feel like if he doesn't say yes right away to what we want, then, well, it's just an unanswered prayer. That's not true. God is always answering your prayers, listen to this, according to his glory and his purposes for your life. Are you cool with that? I'm okay with that. All right, I'm, I'm okay with that. God answers prayer. And then here's the last one. Prayer deepens our knowledge of God. Prayer deepens our knowledge of God. Uh, I've shared with you many times that there's two types of knowledge of God, informational knowledge and experiential knowledge. Informational knowledge, those are the kind of facts and, and things that we can learn about God. All right? but, but the fact is that, that informational knowledge of God in and of itself doesn't save anybody. You know who probably has more informational knowledge about God than anybody else? The devil. You know, J- the book of James says the, the demons believe and they tremble. Right? So they, they've got a lot of factual, informational knowledge about God, but there's experiential knowledge about God. That's when you realize that God is speaking to you, that, that God interacts with you, that God has a relationship with you. And yes, through prayer, through prayer, God reveals more of himself to you. Now, I know this makes some people uncomfortable because if I was to say, look, if you spend an hour in prayer with God every day, you're going to know more about God experientially than you would if you didn't. And people get nervous about that because they say, wait a minute, what if I hear something while I'm praying and it's not God? Well, that's actually a pretty easy answer. I mean, does it line up with the Bible? If what you're hearing in prayer lines up with the Bible, guess what? It's from God. Okay? If it doesn't line up with the Bible, you heard it from one of three other places, the world, the flesh, or the devil. 
That's it. All right? And then you can just pitch it out. Just hit delete. But for those people who bury themselves and press into God in prayer, I will tell you there is an experiential knowledge of God. Look in the Scripture. I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Prayer deepens our knowledge of God. Now those are just some principles. Those are five principles. But how about the practices? How how, how do we put this into practice? Because again, I don't want you just to walk away today saying, yeah, I probably ought to pray more. And then you go out to eat or whatever. But I, I want you to take, with handles on them, I want you to take some practical things away. So let me give you three. The first of which is this. We've got to prioritize private prayer and time and space. Okay? Your life of prayer, I'm not talking about on the campus now, I'm talking about at your house or wherever you might meet with the Lord, that's got to have a priority in your life, both in time and space. I've already shared with you in the past that one of the key marks of a praying church is that prayer receives priority in time and space. And, 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 and we are definitely moving in that direction at Crossgate Church in a very, very deliberate way. But what about in your own life? Is prayer becoming a priority in time and in space? Uh, certainly we see a, a, a very intentional time aspect of prayer in the Bible. Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Mark 1, 35, Jesus rose very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, okay, because some of y'all are like morning people. Other you, others of y'all are night owls, all right, and you just get mo- going faster and faster as the day wears on and into the night. This is not a legalistic prescription that's saying you have to meet with God in the morning, I will tell you for me personally, if I don't meet with God in the morning, it's not going to happen the rest of the day because I get moving so fast and I have so much going on in my mind, I'll never be able to slow down, most of the time, I'll never be able to slow down later in the day to truly spend time with God. For me, it's got to happen in the morning or it probably won't happen. But the fact is, there's got to be a time. There's got to be an intentional time in your life where you are carving out and prioritizing time to be with God. And I will tell you, whatever that time is, whether it's in the morning, lunchtime, in the evening, you will face opposition. Did you know that? You will face opposition. The world, the flesh, and the devil do not want you to pray. If it's in the morning, you're going to fight what uh, Pastor Jack Taylor years ago used to call the battle of the blankets. You know what I'm talking about, the battle of the blankets? And, And Jack Taylor said, you will never win the battle of the blankets underneath the blankets. You will never do it, okay? But on the other hand, if you say, you know, praying for me in the evening, right before I go to bed, that's the best time. Well, I mean, we all know there's all kinds of things that's going to take place right before you go to bed that's going to disrupt that potentially, okay? So the, so the fact is, we're, we're going to face opposition no matter when we say, this is my time to meet with God. And, and what about space? Think about what the Bible says. Daniel 6, verse 10, Daniel went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. So he had a place in his house where he prayed. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before the Lord as he regularly did. That was his place. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father. Okay, So, so there's an emphasis on a space. And, and, and the more... The more habitually you can, you can prioritize time and space in your life, the, the, the more effectively you will have a consistent time of prayer 
with God. Okay, that's, that's a principle. Here's a second principle. Adopt a plan for your prayer time. Adopt a plan for your prayer time. Now, when, when you do get to around to, to praying with the Lord and spending time with God, okay, do you kind of just shoot from the hip, or do you have some type of structure, some type of plan in place? The reason why I ask this is because that will make the, a, a big difference uh, in terms of how effective your time with the Lord uh, really is. So, how many of y'all go to the gym? Any, anybody here work out in a gym? Like you go to a gym somewhere? There, there's at least a few of y'all out there that go to the gym, okay? Last month, what did the gym look like? Looked like a ghost town, right? Let's put that up there, all right? That's your gym in December. There's the gym in January, right? I mean, everybody and his brother and his sister is in the gym this month trying to, trying to fulfill all those New Year's resolutions. Well, here's something about going to the gym that I've learned over the years. If you go to the gym but you don't have a plan, you're probably not going to get anything done. Isn't that right, Pastor Rob? Yeah, you're not going to get anything. I mean, I've seen this. People stroll into the gym, and maybe a guy gets on a bench and does a couple reps on the bench, and then he looks around. He's like, hmm, what do I want to do next? Then he kind of wanders over to this machine and does a couple of little leg extensions, and, and then he kind of goes over here and does a couple of uh, sit-ups, and then he's like, well, I guess that's it. I'm out of here. No plan, no nothing. But it's the guy. Tell me if I'm, if I'm not telling the truth here. It's, it's the guy that walks in with his little book, and he's got a plan for the day. I'm going to do this number of reps, and here's the weight, and I'm tracking my, my progress, and this is what I do. I, I'm doing, I'm doing you know, chest and tries on Monday. I'm doing back and buys on Tuesday. I'm doing legs on Wednesday, whatever. He's got a plan. Those are the people who, who will see progress and, and, and will see results. Uh, so, for example, think about 1 Timothy chapter 7. When we, when we pray, we are going to the spiritual gym. First Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Watch this. Train yourself to be godly. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, that phrase, train yourself, in the original language is the word gumnazo. Now, I know you're totally blessed to hear that, okay? But the word gumnazo, the, 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 the substantive cognate of that is gymnasium. Now that ought to start ringing a bell because the English word gymnasium or gym for short is a transliteration of that word. You know what 1 Timothy 4, 7 says? Go to the spiritual gym. Go to the spiritual gym. Just as physical exercise does something for your body, so spiritual exercise and, and the rhythms of the Christian life, the disciplines of the Christian life will, will bring you to a, a point of spiritual strength and vitality. But you got to have a plan for it, right? So when I was first saved, I got saved when I was 17 years old, when I was a high school student, and the first summer camp I ever went to, I went to this summer camp down in Orlando, Florida called Kingdom 90. Kind of tells you how old I am, because it was in 1990, okay? Kingdom 90. And I went to one of these little breakouts, and there was a guy that was leading a little breakout on how to have a quiet time. Look, folks, I didn't even know what a quiet time was. I'd never even heard of a quiet time before, but I was like, I guess I don't listen to what he has to say. And he laid out a very simple plan called the ACTS plan. Many of you are familiar with this. It's one of many ways to simply structure your prayer time with God. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, I don't have time to unpack all of that right now, but I will tell you that it is a tremendous, simple plan for having a prayer time. As a matter of fact, Pastor Keith and I are going to kick off a new podcast series uh, next week. 
and it's going to be called the More and Better Disciples podcast. And every single week, we're going to highlight one thing for about maybe 12 to 15 minutes. We're going to highlight one aspect of being either making better disciples or becoming a, excuse me, more disciples or, or becoming a better disciple. So what we'll do is the first podcast, I'm going to talk about the ACTS prayer plan, okay? Now, you, you got to have some kind of plan. You can't just shoot from the hip. Let me point out one other resource that, that would be well worth your $13.99, okay? This is on sale on Amazon. You can get on Christian Book. It's a book called The Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. He's got a tremendous prayer ministry. Uh, this book was recommended to me by, by Dave White, one of our elders, a couple years ago. It's just got a very simple plan for how to incorporate different things into your prayer time. This is a tremendous book. I want to challenge you to get a copy of it. Now, here's the last principle. Okay, the last principle is this. Spend time praying with people who know how to pray. Spend time praying with people who know how to pray. Uh, I, we are always better together. If, again, if you go to the gym and you try to just wing it, Lone Ranger, there's a few of you that could probably do that, but most people need some type of accountability group to work out with, right? You, if you, all you CrossFitters out there, I don't think anybody does CrossFit by themselves. Maybe there's some people, but most CrossFitters, it's all about the community, right, and, and working out together. Well, th the same is true in praying, because that's one of the greatest contexts where you learn how and, be, and, and you become discipled in prayer. Again, going back to my early days as a Christian, shortly after I was saved, uh, I found out that there was a group of men, there was maybe six to eight, maybe ten at the most men, who met on Tuesday mornings at my church at 6.30. And they would meet, probably about three-quarters of them were retired, there was a few working-age guys, but they would meet from 6.30 to 7.30, and then they would go to work or wherever, and they would, they would meet for prayer. Uh, they, they would circle, get in a circle, uh, they, they would read through a couple psalms in the Old Testament. Every man would read three or four verses, and you'd go around the circle, and you'd read one or two psalms. And then the guys would basically uh, turn around, get on their knees next to their chairs in groups of two, and they would just pray together. Uh, they, they, they'd have some prayer requests. Uh, one guy would pray, then the other guy would pray. And once they were done with that, they'd get up and they'd leave, and they'd be about their business for the day. I heard about this, and I started going to it. Again, I had grown up in church but I knew nothing about prayer. I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew nothing about anything. But I thought, I want to start going to this. So you had the retired guys, you had a few working age guys, and you had the 17-year-old high school senior praying on Tuesday mornings. And I will tell you, folks, praying with some of those dear brothers, I learned how to pray. Listening to them. Most of those guys now, almost all of them are in heaven. You know, I... I cannot tell you how huge of an impact that had on my life. I wonder to this day if some of those old guys sat around saying, there's only about eight of us here. What good is this doing? I wish I could tell them now the powerful impact that praying with them. I heard those men pray. I got with them. I learned how to pray with them. I will tell you, friends, we would do well to put ourselves, each one of us, to put ourselves in a context where we are praying with other people, right? And, 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 and I, yeah, look, most of the praying that we do at church, you've heard me say this before, most of the praying that churches do is basically a segue from one thing to the next. We're going to pray just to kick off our life group. We're going to pray to segue from welcome to worship or from worship to whatever, you know, during the collective time, okay? 
but, but there, there needs to be some opportunities and some touch points in your life and in my life where we are gathering for prayer simply to pray, right? And, and one of those reasons why is because that's where we are encouraged not only to pray more, but to pray better and, and, and more effectively. Let, let, me, let me have the attention of the students in the room just for a moment. If, if you're a middle school student or a high school student, I, I want to challenge you. We have something that takes place in our worship center on Wednesday nights from 6 to 6.30 called House of Prayer. Uh, we, we gather together and pray just like we've been doing. On, we've started this, this Sunday morning in House of Prayer in the prayer room. That is a tremendous opportunity to get with other people, and, and in, in most cases people older than yourself, and learn how to pray. You know, that's one of the reasons why we've kicked off Prayer Partner Network with, with life groups incorporated in there, because, because getting together, and by the way, we're going to have two groups, I believe, two groups of students, middle school and high school students, that will be partnering with the prayer partners on certain Sundays. So I'm super pumped and, and excited about that. But the fact is, we've got to put ourselves in a, in a setting where we can be discipled in prayer. And, 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 and we can grow, and we can be challenged and, and instructed on how to pray more effectively. Let, let, me, let me have the attention of the, of the parents here, of, of elementary-aged children. Okay, so again, we, we are, listen, we, we have, we've had five kids in our home, five kids, I mean, we, we, we've been there, okay? They're... House of Prayer on Wednesday nights. I want to challenge you. If, if your work schedule permits and everything else, if you've got elementary-aged children, come join us in House of Prayer. You say, my kids, my kids. You know, it might be a tremendous opportunity to disciple your children on the, on the power of prayer. Yeah, they'll have the wiggles. That's okay. We're, we're cool with that. All right. But the fact is, we, we have these touch points, and I want to challenge us as a multi-generational church to, if at all possible, engage in these touch points in prayer. Prayer Partner Network, House of Prayer on Sunday morning, House of Prayer on Wednesday nights, praying together with God's people is how we, we, we're strengthened in prayer. Folks, this is going to be a great month. I will tell you, and I, and I told you this earlier this morning, when, when I stepped out of House of Prayer this morning at 9 a.m., I was ready to lead an assault on hell with a water pistol. I mean, just... There, there's just there's there, there's a there's a boldness you read the book of acts there is a boldness that prayer produces in the lives of god's people i am so excited to move forward with you as a church in prayer as we became a more effective praying church let's bow for a word we invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.